Welcome to another episode of the Valley Hub Stories podcast. I'm your host, Penny Coulter. Today's episode has been recorded on Gumbangia country and we acknowledge the privilege it is to do so in this beautiful location. At the time of recording, my guest Raja and I both have people who are unwell in our homes. So thanks to the cold and flu season, this chat has been recorded via the wonderful technology we now call Zoom. And in this episode, we talk about the pandemic that has rendered us all so familiar with the program. As a service provider for the NDIS, we also chat about Raja's organisation, Celebi, a company based on the Mid-North Coast providing services to participants Australia-wide. Raja's passionate about creating a service that is both responsible and responsive, and his genuine care for clients and his staff is evident through this discussion. From working at BHP to volunteer work in Italy, Raj has seen a lot and it is a privilege to be able to share his journey today. So let's get started. Raj, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks heaps for having me. Can you tell me a little bit about you? Who are you on a day-to-day basis? Well, um, I guess I'm just an average person that's sort of Grown up, been born in Australia, same as everyone else here, and enjoy living on the uh, mid-north coast and beautiful beaches and countryside and here with my wife and most of her family here on the mid, mid-north coast. And, yeah, just enjoy, just enjoy sort of living in this area and being here with family and friends. So how long have you been in the Nambuck Valley? Yeah, moved up end of 2007. So, yeah, a bit over 15 years and a few things have sort of changed in that time, got married in that time. Then we decided to move abroad and did some volunteer work over in Italy for about six years. Came back during COVID. It's got a bit tough during COVID over there. Yeah, we've resettled back here again, close to family and friends. Uh, I want to ask about your time prior to being in the Nambucca Valley, but I'm curious about your time in Italy and um, I'm assuming it was just sort of when the the pandemic was just starting? Yeah, so we got there in 2014, but, yeah, we were there when sort of the pandemic hit and everything shut down and, yeah, that was sort of a a, a very unique experience, severe lockdowns and lot of unknowns about why people were dying so quickly over there yeah so we've just sort of stuck at home for most of six months very strict rules about movement and um yeah it was during that sort of the end of those six months that we decided we'd like to just yeah come back home be closer to family and friends Mm. what was that experience like trying to get home because there were a number of people that you know were struggling to get back into australia during that period yeah, no, that's, that's yeah, fair comment, and um, yeah, I think we we weren't alone in that experience, and probably many had worse experiences than ours. But yeah, we were living near Venice, and that's sort of the international airport there, and that was shut down during yeah for the first few months of the pandemic. So we actually couldn't, even if we wanted to fly back home, we couldn't go from that airport. The nearest was in Milan, which was about sort of four odd hours away. Um, four to five hours so yeah we 
kept trying and there were limits that were brought in. Then there was a cutoff date, you know, for hotel quarantine. But we just had sort of had to make a call that we would just, you know, if we had to pay for hotel quarantine ourselves, we would because, yeah, we just sort of couldn't just drop everything and jump on a plane either. We sort of had belongings to sell, a rental to finish, yeah, lives to pack up. So it was quite a yeah testing period, but we ended up finding a friend who worked for Qatar Airlines and he got us some um, some tickets, some company tickets that were at sort of a cost price and we were able to to get a ride home that way. But, yeah, it was quite interesting. We had to turn up to the airport and just see if they'd let us on the plane um, and there was a chance they wouldn't and some people, you know, would get turned away at the airport. Mm. Quite a journey. So prior to moving abroad, you have worked for a number of large companies as an accountant, including BHB, Origin, TAFE. Can you tell me a little bit about your time working for those big organisations? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, I guess sort of there's a, a special vibe in a in a sort of corporate environment. It feels very professional, and yeah, you get taught a lot about sort of policies and procedures. But you also see how they look after their their uh, employees too. Yeah, so really enjoyed the the variety, and I was always sort of working part time for the most of that, as I was involved in, in volunteer work too at the same time. But yeah, it gave me a a, a variety of work environments to to experience um, things to learn, added sort of responsibility as sort of went through you know from one place to another. Mm. Yeah, so I, I feel that that sort of took that experience and then I've been using it more on a small business level, taking what I've learned from sort of the, the larger corporate settings. Mm. I want to talk about where you are now and how you got there, but I firstly want to ask you how you became an accountant. Is it something you always wanted to do or you know, were you born into a family of accountants? I was probably just one of those unusual kids that liked numbers and maths and my cousin and I would do maths quizzes for fun um, as kids. (laughs) So at school maths was a strength and then, yeah, at the end of school it just seemed like thinking of what to study, commerce with accounting as a major but also management as a major was where I sort of was drawn to. I could use the, the strengths that I felt I had. Yeah, so after finishing that, that sort of bachelor degree from Adelaide University, then, yeah, opportunities came to to work in those places that that I mentioned. Mm. So how did you get to where you are now running a successful organisation in the Nambucca Valley? Yeah, well, moving up here 15 years ago, first worked at TAFE down at Kempsey, then got to know someone who's now a friend, in the community who was running a sort of small to medium-sized business up in Cairns, but he was down here on the mid-north coast and started off helping him in his – so that company is Celebi, the, the same company that we are today. Yeah, so but back then used to fly up to Cairns and um, join in team meetings and get to know what they were doing, which was working for the energy company up there, Ergon Energy, um, going around checking meters, so reading the meters. So it's still a services organisation, um, involved contact with people as you go into their you know, yards and, and homes. 
So that company, I kept working for them, even from abroad, from Italy, helping to manage the business, you know, running team meetings at sort of weird hours because of the time difference, four in the morning or five in the morning. But it, yeah, enjoyed that. That gave us sort of flexibility to be overseas. But sort of the boss decided to stop that line of work. It just became too demanding without going into too much detail, but it would have required sort of increasing the size of the business probably tenfold and just required a lot of extra responsibility and investment. So, yeah, we pulled out of that. And when I was back in Australia, it seemed good timing. NDIS came up as as an option in discussion and we felt with sort of our people-focused background from volunteer work plus the policies and procedures which we already had in place from working you know with corporate companies such as um, the the energy company that we could sort of use those skills and be able to also you know help people in the field of NDIS. Mm. So tell me about how that looks on a day-to-day basis for Celebi. Yeah so we're not not huge We've just got a few staff here on the mid-north coast where I manage things and then on the central coast where the other partner in the business is or the business owner, but we sort of manage things together. And, yeah, there's uh, also just a, a small number of staff down there and a few clients that we just try and sort of take good care of. And, yeah, we're just sort of focused on giving our best to the clients that we have and looking out for also reliable workers that are also people-focused. So they're the ones we're drawn to, many of them also been involved in volunteer work too. Yeah, that's sort of, I guess, where we are. It's sort of, we started it off with two focuses. One was the services, so providing support work, um, such as around the home or in the garden or taking people out for activities or just transport to appointments, Um, but also the accounting side, the, the plan management as a registered accountant. I'm also qualified for that. And We've sort of gone through all the processes to be registered with the NDIS, which took a bit of money and time and patience. It took about probably three months to finally, you know, for the NDIA to finally process everything. But we just felt that, you know, it was it was a good process to go through, that it gives us credibility as we approach people and, and offer services to them. So for people who are listening who haven't necessarily been exposed to the NDIS, can you just briefly touch on the role of plan management, what that looks like? Yeah, look, it's it's not a very complicated role from a sort of money point of view. You know, the, the NDIA do help their sort of clients to have that option and to provide the funding for that. And it's just a set amount per month, regardless of the, the volume of work that comes in. So it sort of puts the onus on the plan manager to to give his best and, and to be efficient. But yeah, invoices, well, firstly, it gives us access to the budget. So we see what funds are available and can help the client just to know what they can afford, what services they can afford to get, uh, making the best use of that. We as a company also have an app, so that allows clients or participants to see what's coming and going from on a weekly basis so that they don't get caught short, maybe suddenly realising they've run out of funds and they didn't know. So we have a software that we use. Providers email us 
their bills. And basically the function of a yeah, plan manager is to keep an eye on the budget and pay the bills. So you should, in a perfect world, never hear, nearly never hear from your plan manager, except some updates. That would mean things are running well because they're paying the bills and providers aren't complaining. Hmm. So that is different to the the role of a support coordinator whose role sits more in advocacy, in organising therapies and connecting people to people that can help. So I want to talk a little bit about the NDIS and how it's been received as a funding scheme by the community. And you and I were talking about this off, off air before that, you know, there's sort of different different opinions on how successful the NDIS has been. And, you know, for people who have benefited greatly, it's it would, you know, be said that it was a great success. And for people who haven't benefited or, you know, haven't, you know, had their needs met through the funding body, you know, that's obviously a real struggle. So I'm wondering as a provider what what the perspective is that you have kind of overseeing you know a number of different plans probably for you know quite a scope of people with different needs yeah can only try and share i guess my sort of experience i see the the positives but i also see i guess some of the i guess room for improvement let's say that that there is in the system and yeah it is what it is like it's a it's a system that's there to to assist people but i guess like all systems it can also have things that that need improving but just sort of without sort of taking sides or anything just sort of talking about my experience i mean i see people are benefiting a lot from getting the services they need and yeah sometimes maybe we can look at a person from the outside and think well they can sort of look after that themselves but the system really sort of i guess takes into account also you know, what people can can cope with and provides that extra support, which maybe people don't see behind closed doors. Yeah, the system has a range of options, and I guess that gives flexibility to the participants as long as they understand what they're choosing. So you can basically either be plan managed and get someone to pay the bills for you, or you can be self-managed and you can sort of save on those fees you can pay the bills yourself Um, you can search for your own providers so i guess there's a bit of flexibility in the system and there's ndis registered providers like us at celebi who've gone through the registration the auditing process uh, which you know requires an investment of uh, you know significant money to to pay an auditor and to set up policies and procedures but you can also just choose, you know, the average sort of mum or dad who's offering a cleaning or a gardening or a support service to also be the one that you use. But I, I guess uh, maybe some people may not realise that uh, one person has a lot of policies and procedures in place and has gone through an auditing process, whereas the other hasn't. And one has to use, an NDIS registered provider has to use someone within. NDIS clearance that comes through Service New South Wales. That's for the state of New South Wales, um, which requires a comprehensive background check, including police checks, but also lots of other checks. Whereas an unregistered provider, your average mum or dad, or they don't have to um, use someone like that. They can just use anyone. And so, yeah, there are pluses and minuses, I guess, the supports you get, as long as you know what you're getting. 
So some of those safeguards that are in place that you've talked about, I'm sure would make it quite challenging to find staff that are willing to go through that process to be to obtain the clearance. And also given the fact that there are lots of people working independently, as you've mentioned, what is the benefit for people, obviously outside of the safeguards that are in place? What, are, what is the benefit of people choosing to go with Celebi as opposed to an independent service provider? Yeah. yeah, well, what I know we do is yeah, we go through the process to make sure that people are do have the right clearances in place. We also are sort of people focused. So we want to make sure that people are happy, love sort of getting feedback from people, knowing whether they're happy with the service they got and then, you know, making adjustments. So, and we're not, like, like I said, we're just a small organization. So people aren't going to get lost in the organization, but it, you continue to have access to myself or other staff that can answer your questions or concerns. So, yeah, we feel we've sort of got something yeah, unique to offer and that we can yeah, take good care of those that do decide to choose us for their services. Just pivoting a little bit, I want to ask you about the lessons you've learned from from running a business such as this and, you know, having the, the people-facing role, I guess, of, of having these conversations particularly with people who are who would be considered vulnerable or who are you know going through times of crisis and needing your support what is one kind of lesson that you've drawn from from establishing Celebi in this way yeah well I, I think you just got to make sure that um, what you're doing the participant you know is is happy with that so it's not really, yeah, this service is not really about whether we think we're doing a good job, but it's about whether the, the participant feels they're getting what they need. And, yeah, that, that for me is probably the, the biggest lesson in this process, just understanding what a participant, what's important to a participant and then finding the, the worker uh, that's the right match for them. So what does the future look like for Celebi in the Nambucca Valley? Yeah, well, we'd love to be able to assist more people in the area. We haven't invested much in, in, in the way of sort of advertising. We've just more been trying to go by by word of mouth. But, yeah, we'd love more people to know about us, um, to know that you don't have to, for example, be stuck with a distant option, let's say, for plan management. There are some big names which a lot of people are drawn to because that's what's well-known. Um, often times on Facebook forums, they're the companies that are recommended by others. Someone says, well, you know, who's a good plan manager? But in the end, you're also stuck with someone who might be in Sydney and you never actually get to meet them face-to-face. So we're really striving to, to meet people face-to-face. I'll be shortly catching up with someone in Grafton. So it's a little bit way away, but just because we do want to put, yeah, put our face out there and let people know that we are local, we are available. And, yeah, if something goes wrong, it's not that hard for them to get in touch. So we've got good staff waiting, um, ready to take on more jobs. They're good in the sense that they're people-focused. And so, yeah, the, the future for us would be to be able to fill their weeks with helping people in the community. Great. So how, if people want to connect with you, how can they contact you? 
So we have a, a website, which is celebi.com.au, C-E-L-E-B-E-E is the spelling. And um, you can submit an inquiry online. You can have a look at our, at our website and our services. You can contact me directly on 0435-069-728 or just send an email to admin at celebi.com.au. So uh, they're the main ways to get in, in touch with us. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. No, thank you so much. And thanks for the listeners for tuning in. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Valley Hub Stories podcast. We'd love you to head on over to our socials and let us know what you think. You can find us at thevalleyhub underscore NV or you can email us at info at thevalleyhub.com.au. Until next time, stay well and warm and tune in again soon. Thank you.